1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program lined up for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Seaton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be visiting with us as well as Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. It is September the 7th, and on this day in 1813, the United States got its nickname, Uncle Sam. The name is linked to Samuel Wilson, a meat packer from Troy, New York, who supplied barrels of beef to the United States Army during the World War of 1812. Wilson uh, stamped the barrels with U.S. for United States, but soldiers began referring to the grub as Uncle Sam's. The local newspaper picked up on the story, and Uncle Sam eventually gained widespread acceptance as a nickname for and personification of... The U.S. federal government. In the 1860s and late 1870s, political cartoonist Thomas Nast uh, began popularizing the image of Uncle Sam. Nast continued to evolve the image, eventually giving Sam the white beard and stars and striped suit that's associated with the character today. The German-born Nast was uh, also credited with creating a modern image of Santa Claus, as well as becoming up with a donkey as a symbol for the Democrat Party and elephant as a symbol for Republicans. Nass also famously lampooned the corruption of New York City's Tammany Hall in his editorial cartoons and was in part responsible for the downfall of Tammany, uh, Tammany leader William Tweed, or Boss Tweed, along with former New York City Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia, who ran his platform on ending Tammany Hall and its corrupt practices. <clears throat> Perhaps the most famous image of Uncle Sam was created by artist James Montgomery Flagg. In Flagg's version, Uncle Sam wears a top hat and Blue Jacket is pointing straight ahead at the viewer. During World War I, this portrait was Sam was the words, I want you for the U.S. Army, who used as a rec- was used as a recruiting poster. The image, which became immensely popular, was first used in the cover of Leslie's Weekly in July of 1916 and with the title, What Are You Doing for Preparedness? The poster was widely distributed and has subsequently been reused numerous times with different captions. In September 1961, the U.S. Congress recognized Samuel Wilson as the progenitor of America's national symbol of Uncle Sam. He died at age 87 in 1854 and was buried next to his wife, Betsy Mann, in Oakwood Cemetery in Troy, New York. The town calls itself the home of Uncle Sam. The story of Uncle Sam. U.S. Well, a slew of schools across America are reinstating mask mandates amid a surge in positive COVID tests, despite evidence they're harming children's learning. Kinderbush Junior High School in Alabama has asked for all students, staff, and visitors to start wearing masks in classrooms and hallways due to the slow rise of COVID cases in the area in the last month. Alabama's Talladega City School District, which serves more than 1,700 students, has also urged children and staff to wear masks, but stressed they are encouraged but not required. Due to the emergence of uh, newly reported COVID variants in Los Angeles County, it's it's poised to reinstate mask mandates. Barbara Ferrer, the uh, Director of Public Health for Los Angeles County, stressed the importance of preventive measures during COVID briefing, including wearing masks, improving ventilation, practicing hand hygiene, and getting vaccinated. In California, data from the state government shows COVID-19 hospitalizations increasing by 10.1% compared to the previous week with a weekly total number of hospitalizations in 2,620. I covered the story because it's just insanity. I'm so pleased that we live here in the free state of Florida. We have a great Surgeon General, Joseph Ladapo, who's uh, said that masks don't do any good, and the vaccines are very questionable. He says people should be very careful about taking in the vaccine because it could create more harm than good. He actually said that. So, uh, again, again, with no science behind it whatsoever, public health officials are saying, we'd like you to wear a mask. I don't think so here in the state, free state of Florida. Vice President Kamala Harris said Wednesday that an important part of her job is is the fact that she may have to take over if President Biden is unable to complete his term in office and she's ready to do so if required. She was pressed on her readiness for the Oval Office during an overseas trip after she initially tried to deflect a question about the 80-year-old Biden's age by pointing to his legislative accomplishments. Let's also understand that every vice president, every vice president understands that when they take the oath, that they must be clear about the responsibility. They may have to take over the job of being president. I'm no different, she said. So she's getting out the ruler. She's looking, measuring for curtains, it sounds like. So, and why is this happening right now? I mean, she could have said, well, we've got a great president. He's vibrant. He's knowledgeable. He's got a lot of wisdom. He's doing a great job of leading us. Why is she making this announcement right now? Well, the White House is gearing up for a rapid response team as House Republicans throw their weight behind an impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden, who's currently facing many scandals. White House aides are growing frustrated at the scorching allegations of bribery, political interference, and the criminal investigation of Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and the allegations of influence peddling totaling millions of dollars in payments received by the Biden family. I've seen figures as much as $50 million, at least $20 million. According to Politico, the Biden administration is bracing itself for a barrage of negative headlines and expected twists as House Republicans unveil more incriminating evidence related to their investigation against Biden. Despite uh, dismissing the mounting allegations as false, the White House has taken proactive steps by assembling a crisis management team, as reported by Politico, this team consists of approximately a dozen attorneys, legislative assistants, and communication professionals who are crafting strategies to effectively combat the looming scandal. Things might be unfolding more quickly than we think. With primary season already here, Dems are under pressure to put their new contender in the spotlight sooner rather than later. According to Jim Jordan, the White House is fully aware of the storm that's brewing around them. The White House is getting ready because they know that's likely to happen later this month. If we uh, need to go to the impeachment inquiry phase of our investigation, we will do that. Uh, Mr. Comer subpoenaed documents and individuals from the Department of Homeland uh, Security and uh, Secret Service today. Chairman Smith also subpoenaed individuals from the IRS who were part of the investigation into Hunter Biden. We've subpoenaed individuals from the IRS and the FBI who are part of the investigation of Hunter Biden. We want them for depositions. And then uh, Comer uh, tweeted, or axed, or whatever it is. The evidence is overwhelming. The White House today announced they are creating a war room, as opposed to cooperating with our investigation. We've caught Joe Biden as countless lies about his knowledge and involvement in his family's shady business deals. Every member, even members of the moderate wing of the party, are realizing this could potentially be the biggest political scandal in a lifetime. We have a president who uh, has evidence that the family has taken over $20 million from foreign nationals. We have sworn testimony and emails that show that the president was doing favors in exchange for this money his family is receiving. At this point, there are likely two scenarios. First, Biden might recognize that the friendly fire is coming from within his own camp and declare that he's too old to, and ill to run in 2024, prompting the impeachment investigations to disappear. On the flip side, he might dig in his heels, giving Republicans all the ammunition they need to ensure Biden has no chance of running in 2024. So how do you see this playing out? I don't think Biden is going to be on the ticket in twenty-four. It's just my hunch. Again, I'm going back to uh, the vice president's declaration that, well, I'm ready to be president if, if needed. It's, it's her duty, as she says. The only thing worse than Joe Biden would be uh, Kamala Harris as our president. Well, Hunter Biden will face a new federal grand jury indictment of gun charges by the end of this month, the Justice Department revealed in a court filing uh, yesterday the Speedy Trial Act requires that the government obtain the return of an indictment by a grand jury by Friday, September the 29th, 2023, at the earliest. The government intends to seek the return of an indictment in the case before that date. The uh, Office of Special Counsel David Weiss said in a document filed in the U.S. District Court for the District of Delaware. So they're going to press, they're going to take uh, uh, Hunter uh, to task with regard to the uh, gun that he threw in the dumpster and he lied about the application uh, and his application for the gun, saying that he didn't do any drugs. Well, he did. So uh, if if he's indicted and put on trial, I think there could be some pretty severe consequences. Again, showing that all of a sudden now the Justice Department and other parts in government are starting to turn on the Biden family. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or uh, the acronym FIRE, released its annual college free speech rankings on Wednesday, which dubbed the state of free speech in Harvard abysmal. That's right, abysmal. I'm not totally surprised Sean Stevens, director of the polling and analytics FIRE, told The Post, We've done these rankings for years now, and Harvard is consistently near the bottom. Despite being the most acclaimed academic institution in the country, Harvard received 0. 0. .0000 point free speech ranking on its hundred-point scale, a full 11 points behind the next worst school. So this bastion of free of uh, of learning now condemns free speech. Brown University actually had a secret society that practiced free speech. So it's amazing. It's so sad what's happened in uh, academic institutions across the country. Of all things, free speech being challenged. Well, if you go to a new car dealer lot, uh, you're likely to see hundreds of electric vehicles for sale, but few, if any, traditional gas cars. The dealers are peddling the EVs, even though the vast majority of auto buyers say they don't want one. So much for the customer always being right. The current strategy is as futile as trying to get a dog to swallow a pill with his mouth pried shut. So now the Biden administration is offering $12 billion bribe of tax dollars to auto companies that agree to convert their factories into plants for hybrid and EVs. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm made this announcement last week. The only question here is who's dumber: the Biden administration for offering all this money on U.S. auto companies for listening, to, or the auto companies for listening to the government? It's not car buyers. Everybody, at least. EVs, I mean, I'm sure they're wonderful. I have friends that own them, they love them. They're peppy, hey, fun to drive, uh, but you're not going to use it for your main primary source of uh, transportation. Usually your second car for many. Uh, again, so much waste. This is a unbelievable. Former Proud Boys leader Henry Enrique Tarrio was sentenced yesterday to 22 years in prison for the longest punishment given to anyone inch- charged in the January 6th storming the U.S. Capitol. The news comes four months after he was convicted of seditious conspiracy for his involvement in the Capitol breach. Four other Proud Boys were sentenced last week to terms ranging from 10 to 18 years. Prosecutors arg- argued 39-year-old Tario organized and directed the plot, despite being president, uh, not being president at the Capitol due to the arrest uh, two days earlier. Citing messages between Tario and other Proud Boys, Tario's attorney argued he was being used as a scapegoat for former President uh, Donald Trump. The fact of the matter is that there are FBI agents involved with him at the time. He is definitely uh, being thrown under the bus in order to attempt to uh, stop President Trump from running for another term. Separately, jury selection began yesterday for a trial of former White House advisor Peter Navarro. On criminal charges, he ignored a subpoena in February of 2022 by a House Select Committee investigating the January 6th storming. He faces one count of refusing to appear for a deposition and another for withholding documents. If convicted, he could face up to two years in prison and fines of up to... $200,000. Do you see a two-tier justice system here? I certainly do. It's unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Forty five
0: forty one. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host. Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences, and you can find out more and get tickets to some great performances. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Florida Citizens Alliance is a coalition uh, now of almost 260,000
3: people across the state of Florida, uh, two-thirds of which are parents with kids 17 or under in the home. And uh, we fight to, to, to fix our education system. It's broken, in our view, broken beyond repair. But we have two point three million or 3 million kids stuck in it. So We have to do what we can to try to put competition back in the school system in in the hope that they'll get better. And uh, also, we're working really hard to get rid of uh, the indoctrination, the pornography,
1: uh, the wokeism that's there. Yeah, doing a great job. I must say that uh, Keith and Pastor Rick Stevens have done just a terrific job of gaining traction in Tallahassee with the the, uh, superintendent of schools, with the... the, uh, uh governor and with the legislature and just really helped to improve for florida even though as you as you say we, we're not uh, a great school system here in florida we're the best of the lot in terms of across the yeah. nation so uh, doing yeah. a great job keith so thank you for that i understand here in uh in uh, uh collier county we've got some headwinds with regard to taxes yes
3: um well, we get involved locally. We have teams in about 20 counties, and here in Collier County, we've had a long-standing practice of getting involved in local politics. Uh, today, tonight, actually, the board of uh, the uh, board of county commission is holding their first of two hearings. The second one will be two weeks out, and uh, the uh, county manager is recommending that the board raise our property taxes. 10.92 uh, percent. Um, we uh, four of the five uh, county commissioners have signed a no tax increase uh,
1: uh, pledge. Yeah,
3: and uh, I've had uh, interesting discussions with several of them, including Chris Hall, who's the vice chair. And I am hopeful that we have a shot at getting all four of those uh, to hold to their pledge, which means that they would force the county back to the rollback rate, which would uh, be a dramatic, uh, in my view, not a huge, about a 3% reduction in expenses. And who among us doesn't believe uh, um, government's bloated by at least 3%, but it's uh, something they tend to do every year because they think, uh, they think they're think they entitled. Uh, we worked really hard to get a, a conservative board this year uh, in the last election. So uh, they've been doing some good things on the, the bill of rights ordinances but we uh, need, need them to stand tall on uh, less government uh, and you know more efficient government
1: yeah absolutely and uh, certainly there's we can find three percent there. i guess the the big brouhaha about this and what dri- was driving this uh decision is the fact that there's some infrastructure issues here in Cuyahoga county and the way they've uh, defaulted of course is to try and raise taxes and we could we'd like to stop that right
3: well uh, in parallel with that just uh, Uh, Back in July 31st and on next Monday, actually, uh, uh, maybe it's poetic justice on September 11th, but our school board is going to raise their uh, side of the property tax equation uh, 10.66%. And uh, again, three of the five school board members have signed the no tax increase pledge. Uh, Kelly Lichters flipped and uh, voted on July 31st uh, in the first of two um, events to uh, advertise this 10.66%. Uh, they're arguing it's not a tax increase, uh, which is just uh, an outright lie. Um, if you read the Florida statute uh, that deals with uh, tax uh, property taxes, uh, any tax, any millage rate, I don't want to get too technical, but any millage rate times the property tax values that raises more money than the prior year is a tax increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're arguing that because property values went up 16.7 percent, they can take the uh, the millage rate down a little bit and and, and generate 111 million dollars more in revenue, and that's not a tax increase, and that's just uh, it's an outright lie. Uh, and so, uh, rest assured that uh, a number of us, uh, myself included, will be at the meeting on the 11th to. Uh, Try to hold the
1: feet to the fire. Well, thank you for that, uh, Keith. We appreciate you representing our interest. I must say that uh, we're just seeing more and more kids, more and more families taking advantage of scholarships being offered by the state of Florida. So we're seeing tens of thousands of kids actually going off to uh, other schools, in many cases to private schools, uh, using the scholarship money. So it seems to me that we should see a reduction in the need of funding for public schools, not an increase.
3: I couldn't agree more with you, and I've made that point over and over for literally the last year. Because we've, you know, we've seen this uh, this this trend coming from the legislature. Uh, it is going to take a little bit of time, uh, Bob, for the market to adjust. We do have a lot more people fleeing the government schools, but uh, this the private uh, the capacity at the private schools is really, um, you know, pretty full. Yeah, and. And so, but that's uh, and that's maybe a discussion for another day. But that's why we started our microschool initiative, because parents uh, can come together in small groups and literally in in, in a co-op fashion uh, for three hundred fifty bucks per kid per year, uh, start a microschool. Wow! Uh, and and they can do that under quote homeschool law um and uh, And in many cases, take advantages of some of this scholarship money um, but they can start to immediately fill the void uh, or the demand that's out there. Um, so we think it's a key part of the equation in the short term, and frankly, in the long term, I think it's the only answer. But, um,
1: that's a long way out. Yeah, so Keith, uh, all of this costs money, of course, and uh, you are a very efficient organization. How can we support your efforts?
3: Well, thanks for bringing that up, Bob. We're uh, we're in the middle of a, uh, fundraising. It's labeled our Liberty Challenge 2023. Uh, we started July 12th, and it'll end um, in the middle of October. Uh, we have a, a, a final event uh, to, to support this, uh, on October 10th at the Hilton, and people can go to, to our website, which is a new website, by the way. Uh, go to our website, and there's an event right there on the front page. And for $202.40, we came up with that number looking toward the future, uh, you can join us and uh, help us uh, towards this great cost.
1: Absolutely. So the website is still the same, goflca.com? Uh, dot org. Dot org. Goflca.org. GoFLCA.org Keith Logan, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance He's Doing terrific work here in Florida Really appreciate your your contributions here on the show Thanks so much for joining us Thank you, Bob Have a great weekend You as well Thank you so much Alright, coming up We're going to be visiting with Seton Motley The founder and president of Less Government We're going to do that and more Right here on the Bob Harden Show On the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network
0: Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise private wealth advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive confident retirement approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Gulf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodland-Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the -the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions, visit golfshore playhouse.org that's dot playhouse.org We'll see you at the show
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton show and now here's your host Bob Harton
1: thanks so much for joining us here on the show we're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty. Personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Seaton Motley. He is the founder and president of a terrific organization. It's called Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. I guess the Less Government not only gives the title of the organization, but also also describes its mission.
2: That's right. That's right. Uh- I wanted to come up with a name where I could just put the name, the logo, and a return envelope and raise money. Um,
1: sure.
2: No, the uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and government doesn't.
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot of folks that oppose the mission, but I really appreciate your efforts. You wrote a piece, uh, Mirror Politics, which is interesting. D.C. is the god-king of junk fees. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well,
2: you know, obviously, most of you, you know, your your audience has has become, uh, you know, painfully aware of how often the other side accuses us of what they're doing, right? And there's an actual psychology involved in that. It's it's the Nazis did it, the communists, uh, Marxists did it in Russia. It's called mirror politics, and it's it's effective. In part because it's so infuriating, because you're like, wait a minute, I'm not doing that, you're doing that. In part because, it, it, in part because it works. I mean, it, it, it. If you can find any example anywhere, you know, uh, just one of nine million examples, they ignore th- four years now of Biden having Alzheimer's, and McConnell freezes for two seconds, and there's weeks of stories about McConnell's, you know, mental yeah. uh, inability. Um, and you know it's 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 Trump Russia collusion where it turns out the people who made up the story about Trump Russia collusion were colluding with the Russians yeah. to do it. Yeah, you know there's nine main examples in the last you know week.
1: Yeah, um, in fact, they, their- I, I heard somebody say that you know if you want to know uh, what the Democrats are up to, just take a look at what they're accusing you of. That's pretty much right. what they're going to be doing.
2: Right, but, but it was a big tactic of Joseph Goebbels in, in Nazi Germany. Yeah. And, and so, anyway, so that's what you're witnessing. And, I, I, you know, it, it, it popped on my radar last week, last week when a bunch, you know, and you know how coordinated and uniform the, the, the media is. You know, how the, 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 there's, a, there's a talking point, and then everybody, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everyone's talking about this particular talking point.
1: And using the same words, by the way.
2: Oh, it's just the same phrases. Yeah. yeah. And it, last week, junk fees became a thing and it was all the junk fees and it started with the C- the consumer financial protection bureau and banks and then it spread to other businesses now don't get me wrong I just fired the exceedingly awful Wells Fargo because every time I got $1,500 cash out of the ATM down here in Belize they charged me $53 in change wow so I'm not defending the junk fees however the king of all junk fees is the government. And I went and found an article of the top of, the, of 100 uh, junk fees or 100 taxes or fees charged by the government. I went through and only listed, you, you, you know, you have the article in front of you. Yeah. I only listed the ones I knew for certain. I didn't want to do too much research on it. But the only ones I knew for certain were, were, were uh, federal. I'm sure I missed some that were federal that I wasn't, aware, you know, I wasn't immediately aware of. Plus, some of the ones I listed are federal, or are also charged by the states and local governments. And you know, the, the the block of individual fees and taxes was six or seven sentences long of just semicolon t- new tax semicolon new fee semicolon yeah. new tax, and then I go wait a minute, that's just the individuals. Here's the ones on businesses. And that was another seven or eight column lines uh, with, you know, just the fee with a semicolon tax with a semicolon. Those are all junk fees. Those are all these little dings on you for, for engaging in commercial or personal activity. And that, you know, that's what, what's the difference between that and a bank ATM fee? Nothing. It's the exact same thing. So again, it's mirror politics. They're, Rather than discussing the nine million taxes and fees the government's issuing, they're going to concentrate on a couple in the private sector. Yeah, and that's that's what they're doing. And my favorite one, and I, I talk about it, is the Uni- the uh, Universal Service Fund. Yeah, look at your next phone bill. The USF tax right now is just under thirty percent.
1: Just, and it's just allegedly... Just take that in for a moment. <laughs> and I bet you it, my, it goes, my, up, it, I it might goes up
2: every quarter automatically, and it can go up again anytime three of the five unelected bureaucrats at the Federal Communications Commission yeah. decide to raise it. So it's just under 30% right now. It's on your phone, and it's for the Universal Service Fund project. What is the Universal Service Fund supposed to do? It's supposed to connect the unconnected. To landlines, which of course became obsolete 30 years ago, yeah, and now the internet. Well, there's a small problem there. The, 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 the USF collects nearly $9 billion a year. It steals $9 billion a year via your phone bill. Wow. The, the, every American in the United States has been connected to the internet since at least 2015. Right. So they've been connecting $9 billion a year in junk fees, on your phone bill for something that's already happened. But the tax doesn't go away. Yeah, And then, of course, you've got, I didn't even mention this in the article, you've got the, about $100 billion in two bills that passed since Biden got uh, elected, uh, another $100 billion to connect the unconnected. When the, the, there are no unconnected in the United States anymore, and haven't been for almost a decade.
1: And here's the irony. The American yep. people just kind of basically say, well, that's just the way it is. I mean, uh, there's no outrage about There should be outrage about this, but there's not. Usually people just pay their phone bill.
2: Well, yeah. It, 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 um, my expression is fish don't know they're wet. Yeah. They're <laughs> swimming in it. They're, they're just so used to it, they don't do anything anymore. They're sleepwalking through uh, a very taxed, very regulated existence. And they're like you said, they're just used to it. I, I started comparing in my mind because I'm, I'm setting up a little business here in Belize, on which, um, by the way, I'm going to have to pay taxes in the U.S. because we're one of the two countries where if you live somewhere else and make your money somewhere else, you still owe the U.S. government money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm paying. I, I have to pay my estimated quarterly taxes now, and I'm paying in about twenty five percent. My business in Belize, the Belizean tax rate is 1.5%. Wow. My property tax on my, I have a 2,400 square foot ski lodge in the middle of the desert in central Texas with eight tenths of an acre. My property tax due in April is $8,000. I own 85 feet of Caribbean Sea frontage lot here in uh, in Belize. And my property tax is fifty dollars a year. <laughs> so you know it's just, and again, like you said, they're the, sleepwalking through it. The, the Belizeans are more aware and more in tune and more upset about their tax rates, and because there's there's some high taxes, there's high taxes on gas and on imports, for example, are the two biggest ones. And and they're they're like, where's the money going? What are we doing? Who's why, why is this happening, you know, and they're more in tune than the average American is. It's just, it's, it's and of course, the the, the taxation comparison is just, you know, it's a million dollars a year versus $5 a year. And the $5 a year people are more upset about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just really appreciate you bringing these issues to our attention. See, and again, 30% and it can go up. It doesn't go away. The, oh, it
2: goes the, up. It goes up in the fourth quarter. It goes, it goes up. up in, it goes up in two weeks.
1: Continuously. Uh, again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit LessGovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Thank you.
0: for more of the Bob Hartman Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Two thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with forty percent strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America.
0: back to the Bob Harton show and now here's your host Bob Harton
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show Today is the first day of sizzle dining after a 3 week promotional event running from September the 7th through September the 27th. It's a slow time for restaurants here in September on the Paradise Coast. So there are several 55 participating restaurants here in Naples all serving fixed price meals to attract you to come in and try their fare and by the way $1 is donated from out of every lunch or dinner purchased. To blessings in a backpack of Southwest Florida. So uh, take advantage of this. You could go to sizzledining.com to find out about participating restaurants and the menus, and then give you an opportunity to just try different uh, uh, menus and different restaurants here on the Paradise Coast. We have with us Michael Cannon. He is a director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Great to be back, Bob.
1: Thank you so, Michael, uh, so much, Michael. Now, uh, the we, uh, president is now thinking about uh, changing short-term medical plans, and I was hoping you could bring us up to date on what's going on.
4: Sure. Well, this is a kind of health insurance that Congress has exempted from Obamacare for as long as Obamacare has been around. It is exempted uh, this, this kind of health insurance from all federal health insurance regulations going all the way back to 1996. And is because Congress exempts these health plans from federal regulation, that they are able, in the words of the Congressional Budget Office, uh, the the nonpartisan CBO, short-term health plans are able to offer coverage that is that has uh, cost sharing that is often lower than Obamacare plans, uh, or I should say deductibles that are that are lower, and provider networks that are broader. that give you more choice of doctors and hospitals for a premium that is as much as 60% less wow. than the least expensive Obamacare plan. So so these are a, a, a viable product. The Congressional Budget Office says that these are comprehensive plans. These are a viable product uh, that competes with Obamacare plans, offering uh, premiums that are a lot less. We, we look at the numbers, and if you are a, uh, let's see, was this, yeah, if, if you're a sixty 4 year old man in uh, Miami, Florida, the cheapest Obamacare plan is going to cost you $789. It's going to cost $789 a month. That's the premium. Wow. But you can get a short term plan for less than half that. The premiums may be as low as $280 a month. Uh, or you can buy more comprehensive coverage. The premiums could go up to you know more than the cost of an Obamacare plan. You can buy a short-term plan that costs you $2,000 per month as opposed to $790, but the choice is yours. You can, you can get a plan with $25,000 in cost-sharing or just 1000 You can get a plan with up to $5 million in coverage, and if you are 64 years old, just a year away from Medicare, then you may not want to spend... Uh, all that money on an Obamacare plan, you might want a cheaper one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the same is true for a lot of consumers at a lot of different ages. Uh, but what President Biden wants to do is he wants to take these plans, which can now last uh, up to 36 months, and force insurance companies to cancel all of them after just four months and prohibit the insurance companies from renewing that plan or selling you a new one uh and the purpose is the reason he's doing this is he wants to scare people away from buying these plans he wants to, to make them so terrible and have so many gaps that you know you could end up uninsured if you get if you enroll in a short-term plan you then get sick he wants the threat of him canceling that plan after four months and leaving you with no coverage until January 1st of the next year when you can enroll in an Obamacare plan to scare you away from those plans and into Obamacare plans. So the, the, the federal government here is literally willing to throw sick people out of their health insurance and leave them uninsured for up to 12 months just to try to uh, reduce Obamacare premiums by half of a percentage point.
1: That's just incredible, uh, Michael. I mean, it, to me, uh, you just think about the mission of the uh, administration, which is to support the American people. And this is just another example how, how <laughs> the man is sticking it to the people and <laughs> talking about Biden and his administration. And of course, his goal is to get everybody into a single pay system, into uh, something Obamacare is just one step away from uh, single pay.
4: Well, there's a lot of evidence to support that, uh, that hypothesis. Uh, But but what there's no evidence of is that Congress wants the Biden administration to do this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, Congress, Congress, when they initially created this exemption, short term plans could last 12 months. And presidents and congresses of both parties have been fine with that. Uh, President Obama shortened these plans down to three months. And when he did that. There were people who lost their coverage and ended up with tens of thousands of dollars, $100,000 in medical bills yeah. because President Obama threw them out of their plans and then they couldn't get coverage again because what would have been an insured medical condition became an uninsured, an uninsurable pre-existing condition. Uh, and this, this totally uh, flies in the face of everything that Congress has tried to do in healthcare, which is, to to fill in gaps in coverage and to protect the sick from medical underwriting. What President Biden is proposing to do is to create gaps in coverage and to expose the sick to medical underwriting. This is completely contrary to congressional intent.
1: Certainly sounds that way. Now, I understand we're coming up to the end of a comment period for this. Now, would this be an executive order? Obviously, they're doing it without the uh Without the support of Congress, Congress hasn't passed a law to this effect.
4: The way it works is Congress you know, didn't define what short-term or limited duration mean, and so different administrations get to define it the way they want. The mm. Trump administration defines those terms as meaning up to 36 months, which provides reasonably secure coverage to people uh, and protects them from underwriting by allowing them to get to the next Obamacare open enrollment period uh, without a gap in coverage. Uh, and But the way this works is now that the Biden administration wants to change that Trump rule, they have to give notice to the public, which they've done, and allow for a comment period where the public can say, we like this idea, we don't. They've received thousands and thousands of comments, most of them negative, And the window for making these comments closes on Monday, September 11th. So if there are short-term plan customers uh, uh, listening to your show or others who just care about health insurance choice, they can go to the website of, uh, uh, I think it's regulation.gov. They can search for the the page with the proposed regulation about short-term limited duration insurance, and they can leave a comment there. Uh, You don't have to, any citizen can do this. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Uh, You can just tell them about your experience or uh, that you oppose this restriction on people's freedom to make their own health decisions that will end up creating gaps in coverage and leaving sick people without the medical
1: care they need. Just absolutely treasure. So now what kind, do you think uh, that that anybody's going to pay attention to the comments?
4: By law, they need to do that. Uh, how closely they pay attention, or whether they listen to the, uh, the the more level-headed comments, as opposed to what their ideology tells them to do, we don't know. If they uh, if they don't listen to the comments, uh, and people can demonstrate that, then uh, then uh, citizens can challenge uh, <clears throat> the administration's final rule in court. And there have been a Obamacare regulations that the executive branch have put in place that people have been able to challenge in court uh, and try to hold the administration accountable. Uh, hopefully they will abandon this proposal, but if they don't, hopefully then someone will challenge them in court and prevail.
1: Yeah, Michael Cannon, again, the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. By the way, terrific organization. I hope you check out the website Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Mike, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. so interesting. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Take My care. My pleasure, indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that uh, Blue Provence commercial reminds me that uh, Blue Provence is p- participating in the Sizzle Dining event, September 7th through the 27th, serving a fixed-price menu uh, for dinner, uh, $49 for three pr- three courses, Uh, which doesn't include the uh, beverage or the tip or the uh, tax, but nevertheless, uh, terrific value. And I hope you'll go to BlueProvence.com and uh, just check out and make a reservation to uh, have dinner uh, during this period of time at Blue Provence. And by the way, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at uh, the Foundation for Government Accountability. We Get the politics, we know the policy, we prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. I'm mentioning that because I am on the board, and in fact, we're having a board meeting this afternoon. So the website is thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, one of the bigger fibs that was he declared last November, and we're talking about Biden, folks, it's now cheaper to generate electricity from wind and solar than it is from coal and oil. Literally cheaper, not a joke. Am I kidding? He really said that, (laughs) right? So it's the economical that Biden created a three hundred and eighty billion dollar tax finance Green New Deal slush fund for wind and solar. Remarkably, even the uh, tsunami of tax dollars, the industry is in big trouble. Last uh, week, shares of Orsted, the world's largest offshore wind farm developer, crashed twenty five percent after CEO uh, Nipper warned investors. The situation in the U.S. offshore wind is severe. Why? Thanks to supply chain blockages, the price of wind turbines has increased 40% over the last two years, and the industry is now saying it needs more uh, more billions of tax dollars to survive. Unbelievable. You may have seen about the pictures of these uh, wind turbines that are now out of service, that are just covering acres and acres, just stacked up. Unbelievable that uh, the waste, I don't even know what they're going to be able to do with those turbines, but uh, this is a fool's errand, Uh, again, the alternative energy with wind turbines. And by the way, the Internal Revenue Service auditors continue to target middle-income earners despite promises by the president and his team to turn agents loose on those earning $400,000 or higher. Its budget swelled $80 billion by Democrats hopeful of exposing fraud by the rich. A new audit shows that agents are mostly chasing down families and businesses with incomes of $200,000 or less, half the president's promised target. Can you believe that? He he would mislead the American public? (laughs) That's uh, more the rule than the exception. Well, approximately 40 million miles from Abilene, and this is the story about the wind turbines, uh, situated along the Interstate 20, this is in Texas, Sweetwater, has inadvertently transformed into a site hosting what could be regarded as the world's largest assemblage of discarded wind turbine blades. This assortment began uh, taking shape when the first blades were deposited in a field adjacent to apartment complex where Pamela Meyer resides on her town's west side back in 2017. Initially, Pamela wasn't too concerned. However, the blades, which measure between 150 and 200 feet, can you imagine that in length? and primarily consist of composite materials like fiberglass with a binding resin, continued to arrive. Each blade was subsequently divided into thirds and each segment surpassing the length of a school bus. Over several years, thousands of these blade sections descended upon the area, ultimately covering over 30 acres. They formed stacks towering as high as a basketball backboard, In between these stacks are intervals of a few dozen feet, pathways among the blades continue as intricate maze like landscape. So again acres and acres of these blades now sawed up into halves or or into thirds, and uh, there and near Abilene, Texas. What a crime. Well tropical storm Lee is expected to rapidly intensify into an extremely dangerous hurricane in the Atlantic Ocean by this weekend, according to the National Hurricane Center. Lee could become a hurricane Wednesday, then a major hurricane category three storm or stronger by late this week, with the uh, Leeward Islands of the Caribbean expected to feel its impact over the weekend. Uh, Lee is not far from hurricane strength and it's likely will achieve that status later today, the National Hurricane Center noted in its 5 a.m. update. While it's too soon to determine the location and the magnitude of the possible impacts, interest in this area should uh, monitor the progress of Lee and further update its forecast. So we're concerned about this. Now, this is the most active month for hurricanes uh, here on the Paradise Coast. We don't know where Lee is going, but it's uh, it's definitely going to gain hurricane strength. And uh, we should be concerned about it. Well, uh, a 48% pay range, a 32-hour work week with 40 hours of pay, a restoration of traditional pension plans. Those are the demands that the more combative United Auto Workers Union have pressed on General Motors uh, uh, and Ford, demands even that the UAW's own president calls audacious and are edging it closer to a strike when it comes uh, to an end, the current contract on September the 14th. The automakers, which are making billions in profits, have dismissed the UAW's wish. They argue that its demands are unrealistic at a time of fierce competition from Tesla and lower-wage foreign work, auto workers, as the world just shifts from internal combustion engines to electrical vehicles. Which, by the way, in my estimation, they're not, because as we mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, electric vehicles are sitting on the sidelines, and nobody's uh, buying them, unfortunately. Well, a woman said, I can't advocate on behalf of public education without taking it root in my own household. This accorded to Stacy Gates, Davis Gates, president of the Chicago Teachers Union and national vice president of the Randy Weingarten's American Federation of Teachers. Well, actually, she can and does. Davis Gates sent one of her three kids to De La Salle, a prominent private school on the south side of Chicago, with tuition at $14,750 a year. It's open only to those with some means, uh, like uh, Davis Gates. The few who are fortunate enough to get financial help also could go there as well. As her day job, Gates gets paid a cool 150 grand a year and was a leader in the successful effort to defund Illinois' Meager Invest in Kids Act, which gave some 9,000 disadvantaged children scholarships to attend private schools. Question is, how do people like this live themselves? How does she possibly justify her position when she's doing what she's doing? It's so sad. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow, including William Yatman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also uh, visit with uh, Phil Kirpin. He's the uh, uh, a head of, um, a President of American Commitment, he'll be with us as well as Dean Clancy, and Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you do, I hope you tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. And I want to just let you know that I so much appreciate your support in listening to the show. Well, again, over 12 years broadcasting on the internet. I hope you're making a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.